listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 18. It's on page 787 in the Pew Bibles. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites, for they mark their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The word of God for the people of God. Martha for reading this morning. All right, show of hands. Who's actually excited to switch to prayer and fasting versus, thank you, there's a few of you. Thank you, thank you. I was excited to turn the page and say, I don't have to worry about trying to skip anything. This is fun. All right. Um, Much of today's, many of today's verses are really well known as we say them each week during our service, either during our prayer time or we sing during communion. But often when verses are so well known, it's hard to take something new away. So I'm really hopeful that I get to share something with you that you leave here today with that is new and different, something for you to chew on. That's it, sorry. That's a weird, that's a weird statement and that's not on my manuscript. That's probably why I should stick to it. Um, (laughs) um, I will also ask for you to open your mind up about fasting because I know that that is different and it's not something that we as a church practice often. But before we embark upon talking about prayer, I ask that you pray with me. Lord, open our hearts, 
open our minds to your word this morning. I pray that you move me aside. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're rereading verse 5 and 6 to get started this morning. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Just like last week, where Jesus is telling us to give to others without trumpet sounding, without the accolades and the applause, here we see him doing the same thing about prayer. All right, so this is totally going to be a Sunday where I ask you to raise your hands multiple times. Who loves praying in public? There are two of you. There are three of you. This is really typical. This is really typical. People don't love praying in public. Um, I don't love praying in public, if we can be fully honest here, because we get in our own heads and we worry. We worry we're going to say the wrong thing or we're going to forget what we're supposed to say or, or somebody just asked for a prayer request and it completely left our mind or we're worried somebody's going to laugh at us side note when i pray without a script i get laughed at all the time because strange things just sometimes come out because sometimes we just don't say the right way, right things i want to tell you though that these verses are not talking about when we pray together in person at church it's not talking about prayers with people at a meal or if you spontaneously pray with somebody at Walmart. These verses were very specifically addressing common issues that were happening at this point in history. Jews were to pray three times a day at specified hours, when they awoke, at bedtime, and sometime around 3 o'clock during the sacrifice time. No matter where they were in the afternoon, they were supposed to stop what they were doing and pray. So often, you can see how this would lead one if they want to lift themselves up. Okay, where am I going to be at 3 o'clock? Let me make sure that I'm right outside of Walmart, and I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to hold my sign up, and I'm going to say, hey, look at me. I'm doing really great things. God is saying, stop that. Knock that off. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus is asking for us to always take into consideration our motivation. Where is our heart in this? We're going to move on to verse 7. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So I remember the first time I read these verses. Um, as a teenager, I was leading small groups. 
I started our youth group here. I was going to retreats and conventions. Somebody from Youth Leader Corps was actually here with us today. I had to pray in public. I had to pray in front of people. And man, it made me so uncomfortable, so scared every time. But I remember these verses because it made me feel like the words that I said didn't matter near as much as the, the opportunity that I had to pray with people. God doesn't care or want all the extra words. He doesn't need them. God already knows exactly what we need before we ask. There are times at which prayer does not even need any words, and we can just sit with God in silence. Now, since I like to communicate. I can't only sit in God with silence because communication is never really one-sided. There are both sides to every chat, and we have things we need to say. Things that are weighing us down, people we've been thinking about, things we're excited for, and we have that opportunity at any point, at any time, to talk to God about it all. And then, if you give God a chance to respond in that quiet stillness, God responds. Sometimes in shiftings of our hearts or our emotions, sometimes sending visions or people. Often, for me, he sends a hymn into my mind that I need to just sing in that moment. And sometimes it's through his lack of response that we can hear what he's asking us to do. These verses are calling us to simplicity, calling us to sit with God, to share what's on our hearts, just like we are sitting with our closest friend, asking for what we need, and then allowing God to respond. And just like with my best friend, there are times I have nothing to say, and I call her anyway. And I just say, hey, how are you? And that's it. God wants this too. Sometimes there's nothing on our minds to bring to him, but just sitting with him is important. Moving on to verse 9 and into the most well-known section of what I might even say the entire New Testament is the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is the NRSV version. The version that we say is the King James version, but we'll forgive that anyway. Sorry. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. If you've been around, you know that we say the Lord's Prayer together every week. Um, I think you also know how much I love the message version. That will be up here later, because it's too good to not share. Um, 
But what I really want, and I hope that you can take away, is that this prayer that Jesus shares isn't necessarily for us to make sure we're saying the right words every time we say it, but instead is giving us a guide, an example to follow, a flow of prayer. It's something that is worth noting. We are to lift God and praise God's name and God's being first and foremost asking God to bring their kingdom to earth in whole right now and recognize that the way that life occurs is God's will revealed to us in the moment, even when we cannot understand, even when we cannot see the whole picture as God sees the whole picture. We are to ask for our needs to be met today our basic needs, our food, our clothing, our shelter for today. Not for tomorrow, not for a month from now, not from five years, but for today. And then Jesus shows us that we need to offer our forgiveness and our love to others in order to receive that same forgiveness and love for ourselves. I'm going to pause here for a moment because Jesus found this important to mention forgiveness more than once in this section. So verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Whew! That feels really heavy. But I don't think that this means that God withholds his forgiveness for us. I don't, I think that Jesus is saying that when we hold on to grudges, when we carry around these pieces of luggage full of all the things that we are upset about, when we are angry and we are bitter about the way that others have treated us, we cannot receive the fullness of what God has for us. Even if God extends forgiveness, if we are loaded down with so much of our own stuff, we can't receive it. So I was going to do a picture. However, instead, hold on a moment. Because I find this so important. So I had to make sure to really show you exactly what I think this looks like. So this is what I look like when I go grocery shopping. And I don't like to take multiple trips, so I try to walk in the house like this. And then my kids wanna throw something at me. Can I receive that well? This is like carrying all the things that we have loaded up. That person who said that horrible thing once, that pastor who told me that I shouldn't be here today, that one person who looked at us so wrong and said some hurtful, awful things. We have to put this stuff down. That time that God didn't answer our prayer the exact way we wanted. All of this weighs us down. And when our ability to put all of that down 
Now we can receive what God has for us in big and beautiful ways, but we need to put it down. And then Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love the way the NRSV says this better. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. We are to seek out God in these times of trial. We can't put this stuff down on our own. We are constantly being pulled in other directions or being heaped with more stuff. The world is not easy to walk through. Am I right? The world calls us away from here. We feel the pull to avoid community, to avoid church, to be reckless with our time and with our talents, the allure of wealth and trappings that we have been talking about. It can be so easy to lust after the things that we do not have. If I had a dollar every time I heard this weekend, but mom, why don't I have? Fill in the blank. We are to seek God for deliverance from our own sin, from our own bad choices, and from the evil that we live in and among daily. In this petition, we are asking God to help us to love God, ourselves, and others well. Though as a church and as a denomination, we don't typically talk about regulated daily prayers as the Israelites have had experienced at this time. But I think Jesus might enjoy that from us. So Jesus has a standard that he is asking of us. He's not holding up a bar for us to try harder, but he's tr- we are trying to find the ways in which Jesus says, if you do this, then maybe possibly life will be a little smoother, or at least our heads and our mentally, mental stuff and our emotions will be a little bit calmer to handle what life brings. Protestants all over the nation are actually starting to pick up a centuries-old tradition. Um, It's called by different names. I have heard fixed hour of prayer or the daily office. The one, the uh, one author that came up regularly in all of my reading this week was Phyllis Tickle. (laughs) Such a fun name. Um, She has written a couple, many books called The Divine Hours. Um, So, of course, naturally, I had to buy one because I can't tell you about it and not experienced it. And so this week, I have been able to pull it out. There is a version for Kindle, and so that is way less cumbersome for me to just be able to have my phone, and I can pull it up. It's loaded with scripture and ways to enhance your prayer life and your time with God. It is very, um, it's short, it's succinct. There are seven different options, including one in the middle of the night if you wake up and you just want to pray and you don't have anything to say to God. Phyllis Tickle gave us the words and gave us the scriptures to go with it, and it's beautiful. 
So why is prayer even necessary? Every single week, I'm pretty certain, I remind everybody to pray. And so this might be super basic, and this might be something that has been overdone, and you've heard it your whole life, but I also think coming back to a list of why prayer is important helps all of us keep it as a priority. So first, prayer allows space for us to be honest about everything. I don't know about you, but nobody else gets to hear everything that's going on inside of here except for God. And that is a very important thing for my life. The Psalms are full of examples of real-life emotions. For many of us, the human experience is so full of ups and downs within our emotional centers that there are times that the only one that we can be fully honest with is God. Prayer makes space for this. Because of this honesty, prayer improves our relationship with God like nothing else. Just as with any relationship, the more we talk to the person, the more we grow closer to them. It's the same with God. God wants us to chat and to tell them everything. Third, the more we pray, the more we learn how to discern regarding big decisions or best life choices. The more we talk with God about everything, the more we will feel their leading in the day-to-day life, walking as a disciple. As for prayer within community, it is a beautiful unifier. We can unite ourselves here within this building with one another to the saints who have come before and to those who will come after. We tie ourselves together in a spiritual way that can bring comfort and strength when we are praying with one another. And lastly, Community prayer helps us see that we are not alone. We're not in the same space, the same stage, and yet we are here together. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are joyous. Some of us are hurting. And some of us are so filled with peace. And we need the reminder that we are in this life together We are here for one another, and praying the Lord's Prayer together every week helps us to be united in this way. I invite you now to shift your focus with me for our last few verses and our topic for today in fasting. Verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites, for they mark their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus uses the word when and whenever again here. We've seen this the last couple weeks. He didn't say if. He says, when. This is just part of the discipleship journey. 
There is not a command, but there is an assumption that at some point we will participate in these things because we are disciples. So when you fast, has anyone, see, so many times to raise your hand, has anybody participated in a biblical fast before? Yay, a few of you. That's exciting. Um, Fasting within the pages of the Bible does refer specifically and only to food and sometimes water for a fixed period of time. I know that at times we talk about fasting from our electronic devices or fasting from certain shows or fasting from certain things. However, within the Bible we're talking specifically against food. And it's also usually in response to some sacred or grievous moment, such as death, war, sin, or our own neediness. During this time, and the main reason that God calls us to fast is to allow our bodies to really feel the need for and the dependence upon God and on God alone. We get the opportunity through fasting to enter into what God is thinking and what God is feeling. Isaiah firmly links fasting to doing justice, to caring for the poor, and to providing food for the hungry. But by the time of Jesus and his teaching about fasting, these Jews who were also arranging their clocks to be on the corner at 3 o'clock were fasting twice a week, just to fast twice a week. Jesus is not calling us to some rigid schedule of fasting. He is calling us to a relationship of dependence and love. A fast within the Bible was usually from after the evening meal until the following day's evening meal at sundown. So that just means skipping breakfast and lunch and snacks, if you're like our house, um, for the day. Uh, as, a, as a really important side note, if there's anybody in here who has struggled with or is currently struggling with an eating disorder, please know that God wants you to take care of yourself way more than he wants you to take care of a fast. I wouldn't recommend anybody who has ever struggled with an eating disorder to try because uh, it can quickly slip from I'm doing this for God to very unhealthy places. So please seek professional counseling if you find yourself in that boat. Back to our verses and the message for today. We can be so quick to take care of ourselves that we forget our dependence upon God, especially in the hurry of life around us. We can be so quick to pull our own selves up by the bootstraps and just keep going. But there are so many tools that God has given to us to work toward being our best selves. We just have to show up and let God do that work within us. Every week I have given you three takeaways. In the last six weeks, I am not doing that today. 
We've talked a lot about being a disciple, making sure that we are loving God and loving others well, checking our motivations, checking our hearts. Today, instead, I'm offering up some time for you to ponder all that we've been working through. We're right smack in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount with today's verses. We've covered a lot of ground with some more to go. Jesus is laying out a path for us to follow that in some ways may feel completely and utterly overwhelming, and in some ways may feel exhilarating that God cares so much about you that he was willing to give this wisdom directly from Jesus himself to us. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.